and welcome to Women of Influence podcast. Hi, I'm Jay Land with the Jay Group Real Estate Team. The great American speak off. One of my favorites. Welcome to another Women of Influence podcast with your host, Jalen Manser-Shaw. Today, I am so excited to have with me, with you all, Diane Britt-Smith, live from New York City. Hey, Diane. Hey, Pierre. How you doing, Jalen? Good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. It's a great day here, actually. The weather is perfect. Oh, I, I can imagine. I am coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona, Weather's not too shabby right now. Looking out the window, it's beautiful. But I will tell you, I love New York City. I definitely need to come back. Yes, please come back. We would love to have you. Yes, I, I will. I will hook you up or look you up when I get there. So, Diane, you pivoted from a 30-year career as a journalist in international media, and you pivoted not too long ago, just two years ago, to acting, modeling, doing voiceovers, being a voiceover artist. Can you tell us a little about your story and your journey and how you made that pivot? Absolutely. I had a wonderful career. It started um, when I was in college, actually. I finished college in 1984. I started working in 1982 in video production and journalism and just a wonderful career. At some points I said, hmm, I can't believe they actually pay me for this. <laughs> um, just just awesome. And I eventually landed at the Voice of America, in, which is based in D.C. in 1992. And I spent the rest of my career there. Um, I had a chance to do a little bit of, of acting and modeling then um, during my early years at VOA, but stopped. Um, I couldn't go on auditions once I became a, a manager. You need to stay there and take care of your team. And in order to move up in VOA, you have to, I had to, um, you know, do the responsible thing and, and not do anything on the side. But it was always in the back of my mind. So I went on to do a number of different jobs at VOA and a little bit of acting and modeling on the side, but not too much. I was in front of the camera for my job at VOA. Um, and that also sort of, um, said, oh, I, I really want to do this at some point. Fast forward, I was promoted and moved around and ended up as the training director at VOA. And then came COVID. And I was sitting on the couch, teleworking for, I don't know, 10, 11 hours a day. And it just, I was like, I'm not loving this. And I loved every part of my job before then. Yeah. So I asked um, our financial planner to look at the numbers to make sure we wouldn't be destitute. He was like, go for it. So um, I retired early and right before I actually left the job, I started doing a whole bunch of research. I had always heard and I firmly believe, do not run from something, something big, run towards something. Um, and so I just made sure this was the right move. And two months before I actually retired, I started contacting agents and taking classes and jumped into another career that I absolutely love. 
Oh my gosh, that is so amazing. Leaping in, jumping in with both feet, like moving forward in, in faith, not in fear, right? Absolutely. I love that. Yes. I love that so much. Like kind of similar my story. I went from stay-at-home mom to having, you know, no job skills to getting into real estate full time. And I've been very successful. Thank God I've been very blessed. That congratulations. Just, That's great. That's no easy feat. Thank you. Thank you so much. But like you, I have also been very interested with the idea of getting into modeling and acting. I've never done anything to actually take those steps. So that's so awesome that you actually did take those steps and you're doing it. Yes. yes. So I like, love it too. Yeah, that is awesome. I love that so much. And you're so, I stalk you on your Instagram. You're like so <laughs> photogenic and I love oh, your oh, energy. Thank you. Thank so, you. What are some of the some of your favorite jobs that you've done over the past, I don't know, let's say 12 months? Uh, so I absolutely love almost all of them. Um, so I'm uh, I consider myself right now a commercial actor. Um, I will take some more classes and eventually start to move into film and TV, I think. But my Ooh. comfort zone is commercial acting, also commercial modeling. And sometimes the jobs are combined. So um, this silver mane of mine has attracted some attention from brands. And I've done some um, hair shoots, hair product shoots. I did Carol's Daughter. That was fun. I did a campaign for Delta Airlines. So when you get on the airplane, you see me. You, it's not right anymore. But I was a business person going through the airport and talking to my assistant. That was so much fun in JFK Airport. All these people looking at us like, what's going on? Um, I did a campaign recently for CVS. And it was about, I haven't seen it yet. That's one of the downsides of this. You don't always get to see your work. In fact, most of the time you don't get to see your work. Um, it was about filters and how younger people on social media are so used to filters. Um, retouching CVS um, has a policy now not to retouch models, models' images. And a lot of the brands that I'm doing, it's the same thing. So It Cosmetics, I did something for Kiehl's. I can't remember, honestly, all of them, um, Hilton, hotels, but all of them have been fun and it, it's our time. I guess that's the best way to say it. So sometimes there's a dearth of work, like the summertime, some summers, well, it's only been, this is the third summer. Um, sometimes there's a lot of work and sometimes there's very little work. Um, it's just the nature of the business. That, that is so cool. I love that so much. Sounds like you've had, you've, you've been staying pretty busy, it seems. Yes. And I, I feel very blessed to, to be busy, um, booked and busy, as they say. That's great. You're, you're like inspiring me to, to possibly look into that a little bit. You further. should. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk offline. I'm happy to give you my steps. People, and I'm, I am not saying this about you, but people think that it's very easy because it looks just like, oh, I see these people on TV or in a magazine. It is not easy, um, but it's certainly rewarding. And if you're doing something you love, like real estate or I don't know, whatever your job is, um, if it's fun, it doesn't seem as much like work. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Now you talked about how your, your mane attracts a lot of attention. I'm assuming that's natural, right? Oh, most definitely. It's so funny to me when young people um, walk up to me and they start staring and this happens overseas and here. And they're like, how did you get the color so evenly? Like, that's mother nature and the good Lord. It's all natural. 
That is so funny. I do a, um, a wash on my hair. It's, it normally looks a little bit silvery, um, probably not so much right now. And I, I get people sometimes, which I find funny, is like, wow, I love your hair color. When did you start to go gray? And I'm like, honey, I pay for this. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. It does. It looks very natural. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, Diane, I also know that you are passionate about doing street photography in New York City and like capturing people's stories on the street. And I find that fascinating. I am, I used to be a professional photographer as well. So I'm like, really? I love, yeah, I love photography. I specialized in fashion and fitness, believe it or not. That was my passion at the time. But what are some of the most interesting stories that you've heard from people on the street that you've photographed? Oh, boy. There are so many. I would say one of the most impactful times in my street photography career, we've, we, we spend time in D.C. and New York. Um, so I was in D.C. a lot during right after George Floyd was murdered. We lived between the White House and the Capitol. So every day at lunch, if I could take a lunch break, but definitely after work and both days of the weekend, I walked to Black Lives Matter Plaza, which is in, in, on 16th Street in front of the White House, and talked to people and talked talk to them about their stories. Um, that was the most rewarding. So I saw people of all hues, ages, stages of life, um, genders, um, you know, sex, uh, transsexuals, everybody who um, had been disenfranchised or know someone who had been disenfranchised. Mm -hmm. And it was a gathering place for people who wanted to know more about this, wanted to know more about the Black experience. I'm the mom of two adult sons, both of whom have experienced a lot of things. So the people I talked to that were most interesting were moms of, of young Black men, were Caucasian families, from Nebraska and Iowa who brought their families to the plaza to learn more, to educate them. So I would watch them and then walk up to them and ask them their stories and talk to them. So a lot of what I do as a street portrait photographer is rewarding, but I would say without a doubt, that period of time up through the election um, was the most uh, impactful for me because I got to see people who look like me, who didn't look like me, who had experienced nothing but privilege, um, who wanted to, you know, share the experience with their families, everything. It was great. That's, that's incredible. I would love to see some of your photography at some point. You'll have to send me some shots that you've taken. Absolutely. I did a book actually, um, self-published a book. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm happy to share that with you. Okay. Yeah. What's the, what's the name of your book? Um, it is, it's a social justice book. And of course, because I'm under pressure, I can't remember the name of it, um, okay. but I can get it and show it to you before, before we leave. In fact, okay. I can see it over there. Oh. Um, <laughs> you can just go get it real quick. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so I know everybody else can hear me while you're getting your book. I think that is just an incredible story. And I, I, I can't even imagine the, the visuals and the experience and just being there and being immersed in, yes. you know, all of these, these families and the people and their stories that just, that just sounds so like, I can't even find the word to describe it. It just sounds so like 
phenomenal. Like, wow. It was. It, and oh. some of it, I mean, lots of signs of change is the name of the book. And signs in here are lots of stories. I'll send you a copy. Oh, um, thank you. Oh, students, professors, um, people of different faiths. I talked to a woman who practices Buddhism, about which I know nothing. Um, and she was staring at one of the pieces of art there on the plaza. And she turned to me and said, George Floyd's mission was that day. And I didn't know what she meant at first. I started thinking about it. Everybody has a mission in, in that faith, and I guess others, um, ha has a mission. And you may not know what it is until after you're gone. But it was that day, that pivotal moment, no matter how you felt, that brought people together in ways that they hadn't before. So she talked about youth and the importance of youth. So sorry. That's okay. Um, in Buddhism and how important it is uh, for the next generation to carry on. So um, she's featured in this book, a lot of people, but I called it Signs of Change because whenever you walk on the street, that's what you see. Yes. Um, all these signs of change. So, yes. and I have a lot of other ideas of, of things that I would like to do. Um, I want to do a hair stories book. There are so many, um, you know, I, like I see people with blue hair. You know, what, oh, made you, yes. what made you choose pink or striped um, and or natural hair, um, all kinds of things, bald. So I want I really want to focus on that next, but we'll see. Oh, that sounds like a super fun project. You were you were talking about how George Floyd didn't know his mission and like most people don't know their mission until after they're gone. Right. And your current mission or goal is to help change the narrative around ageism, which I find very interesting. So, Diane, what is ageism and what is the most common narrative that that's out there about it? So I certainly can't speak for everybody because I'm one one woman in America. But I know as an example, age discrimination in the workplace. Um, there are a lot of younger managers and leaders these days, and they are reluctant to hire people who are our age. Not everybody, but changing the narrative about that as one example is very important. We bring wisdom and experience. Younger people bring contemporary ideas and speed. There is a place in the workplace for all of that. So I think that's one place that we can start to change the narrative. Um, we're not has-beens. Um, we do have contributions to make. Another area, huge, is the reason that people like me can be on TV, in magazines, on social media. We have tremendous purchasing power at this age and stage of our lives we need to be represented in media. So that's one of my biggest um, mantles, platforms that we need to be represented. So more and more we're seeing that. And you see older people married to younger people, um, you know, whatever the trendy titles are for that, like a cougar or whatever, <laughs> a cradle robber. Um, but, you know, it, we are living longer because we know more about taking care of ourselves. So that means we can remain relevant if we continue to take care of ourselves. And that's reflected. So I think chip by chip by chip, we sort of, sort of dismantle the ageism. Yes, 
I love that. My husband, who is going to be 70 next month, he, speaking of taking care of yourself, he gets told all the time, like, oh my gosh, you don't look like you're anywhere near 70. You look like you're 55. Because he, take, he does take very good care of himself. He works out. He's got good muscle tone. He eats healthy. And so I, I think you're absolutely right. A lot of people that are in their 50s and 60s look better than a lot of people that are in their 30s, a lot of millennials, right? Yes. I see that all the time. I think it's it's very interesting. It's crazy. <laughs> It is. And we're, we don't look like our parents. My parents look great. Um, they took care of themselves, but it was a different time. They had different experiences. So I'm definitely not my mother's 61. She was very vibrant, but fitness was not. And she was a phys ed major in college. But fitness at that age wasn't um, it wasn't a thing. You know, they were concentrating on living and surviving. Exactly. It's a little different for us. Yeah, exactly. So. Diane, what is your fitness routine like? So I'm so glad you're asking me that now and not three months ago. Um, I Just a quick backstory. So when I was about to turn 60, and I'm not a big milestone person, but I remember um, saying, I'd like to be as fit as I possibly can be when I turn 60. But I didn't define that. I didn't put you know, a plan down. I just started, I walk five to seven miles a day, which is very easy in this city. Um, but I just started walking more and every now and then I'd go to the gym, but I wasn't committed. So when I got to 60, it's like, hmm. So fast forward a few months, I said, when I turn 61, I want to have, I want to be in the gym several days a week. I want to prepare myself for cardio. My husband's a, an extreme cyclist, I call it. I'd like to be able to ride with him sometime. Um, I'd like to play tennis with my boys. So I set some specific goals. And about eight weeks ago, I actually started seeing the fruits of my labor. So the other day, this is even more icing on the cake. Our boys went to the gym with us. They work out every day um, and taught us the right way to do lifting and how to protect ourselves and um, from injury and all of those things. So I can see progress. In fact, today's Instagram post, um, let me change that. An Instagram post that I did recently focuses on that. Um, just the little victories. I want to be able to do a pull-up, but I'm not going to hurt my rotator cuff. I'm not going to get ten, you know, all of the different things that you can get. So I'm going to do it carefully, but yeah, I'm yeah. I'm committed. So I do that, and I and I'm a healthy eater. So that's sort of in a nutshell my routine. That's that's wonderful. So my husband and I we we tend to eat. Um, well, we're on a new kind of a new plan, I should say. I am where I'm, I'm trying to trying really hard is the key word to eat five small meals a day, fifteen hundred mm-hmm. calories, so three hundred calories each, and mm-hmm. nothing but lean protein, lots of vegetables, and some yeah, sort yeah. of complex carb like a sweet potato. Excellent. Like so, and it's I'm finding it very difficult to eat that much food. <laughs> it's crazy. But, so one of the things. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to say I went to a uh, peri, pre, menopause, and postmenopausal uh, workshop not too long ago. And they had several practitioners. And one of them was a nutritionist. And she talked about people at this stage, um, and I went through menopause at age 50, need 30 grams of protein per meal. Now, that sounds like a lot. And I don't have the science to back that up. But I thought I would try it because I'm a pescatarian. I don't eat anything but, but seafood. Um, and it honestly was life changing. 
the only time I slip um, considerably is when we go out to eat. Um, and sometimes we go out to eat more than others. But if you pack your lunch with protein and fiber, you you shouldn't have much space for the bad carbs. Right. And you'll be healthier. You feel better. Um, so I, I'm subscribing to that. I, I'm a lifelong Weight Watchers member, a life member. I used to be a, a coach at Weight Watchers, believed in the program very much. Um, but you have to find out what works for you because the same thing doesn't work for everybody. Exactly. I found for myself, because I did a bodybuilding competition 10 years ago in the bikini division. Yes. Yeah, it was it was really good. I um, I ate that way for 13 solid weeks, you know, five meals a day, 300 calories each. And you would not believe the transformation just from eating properly. Like basically I went from, I think, 29% body fat down to 17 and I was awesome. I was shredded, man. Yes. It was awesome. So that's where I'm trying to get to again, yes. not to that same extent, right. but I know I can do it and I know. That's a great goal. Yes. Yeah. I know what eating properly can do for your body. So I'm like yes, singing indeed. the praises. <laughs> yes. Yes. The challenge comes when there's some stressor or some change in your routine that causes you not to have access to that readily. That's what I'm learning. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest challenges, right? It's just having everything ready, finding the time to food prep. And I actually bought these cute little compartmentalized containers on Amazon where you can put your protein and your vegetables and your food. Yeah. They're really good. I'll share them with you after the the podcast. Okay. Yeah, they were pretty inexpensive. They're BPA-free, dishwasher-safe, microwavable-safe, all that kind of fun stuff. Oh, so. yeah, that makes it so easy. Yeah. Well, Diane, how does somebody get hold of you? I think you mentioned earlier your Instagram, right? Yes, Diane Britt-Smith, all one word, is okay. my Instagram handle. Yes. All right. Ladies, especially ladies, follow Diane on her Instagram. She is just so charming and engaging and full of energy. I promise you, you're going to fall in love and want to see what she's got coming up next. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. I'm inspired by you. Oh, thank you, Diane. Is Was there any um, anything else that you would like to throw out there to our audience before we end this broadcast? Yes. I think that uh, we need to support and encourage each other at this stage of our lives, at every stage of our lives. Um, realize that what we see on the outside may not just may not be only may not be what's going on in the inside. Um, so we need to remember that and keep encouraging each other because we all have something going on, um, and um, it's good. And I think we need to be kind, be kind to each other. Amen, sister. Well, don't go. I'm going to end the broadcast, but I want to talk to you a little bit more. Sure. All right. Bye, everyone. Have a blessed day. Bye.